0: What should we make of a list of people we'd rather not be on being blessed, and the list of people we all strive to be being warned that they should be very, very careful? It's a question I don't think we spend nearly enough time thinking about, because it seems like we have settled for an answer that's far from what Jesus spells out for us. That's what we're going to be tackling in our time together today. Hi, I'm Stuart Cutler and I'm the minister here at St Minions Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. If you're joining us for the first time, then please say hello in the comments and consider liking and subscribing. If you find today's message causes you to be challenged or inspired, then please think about sharing it with your friends. Today, I'm joined in our worship by Lisa Cameron. So let's listen as she reads for us now.
1: A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets.
0: I wonder if when you tuned in today, taking a moment away from all the stuff that's going on in your life at the moment, if you thought you were going to be read this weird list of blessings and woes. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you. account of the Son of Man. I wonder what your reaction to that is. Yeah, great. When? Seriously, when? I've been poor and hungry for years. When will I be filled? I have empty cupboards and kids to feed. The cost of living crisis is crippling. I can't afford to heat my house and buy food. My universal credit isn't nearly enough to live on. My power meter costs more than your direct debit. The nearest supermarket's miles away. You try and get your shopping on a bus. And it's been like that for years. So yeah, great. But when? Seriously, when? I cry myself to sleep at night. The void in my life that someone used to fill isn't getting any smaller. The pain isn't any less. I miss them every moment of everyday laugh. Yeah, maybe at this empty promise. Blessed are people when they hate you because of Jesus. How? How is that a blessing? I didn't get into this to be hated and excluded. Why would anyone in their right mind sign up for that? This is supposed to be about making my life better. And then come the woes. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that's what they did, their ancestors did to the false prophets. So it doesn't get any better then. Having money and food and happiness and friends doesn't change anything. All the things that we hope for and work for and dream of, they are no guarantee. This doesn't make any sense. And yet, deep in our souls, we know it makes perfect sense. Ups and downs, life is full of them. There are moments when all seems to be going well and suddenly it all falls apart. A redundancy notice, a diagnosis, a separation, a conversation that takes a completely different turn, a phone call with the news that we least wanted to hear. We've all had those moments when life takes a turn and our response is often to wonder, where is God in this? Why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve this? Of course we should wonder these things. We hurt and we want to know why. We want some kind of explanation because a a shrug of the shoulders and, well, that's just how it is. It, it, it doesn't really cut it in those moments. And then we get this. Blessed are you when things are awful. And woe to you when things are good. Well, thanks. It's like fortune cookie stuff. It's easy to say, when you, but when you start to scratch the surface, you just end up with a whole lot of questions. But this is important stuff. It's one of the central pieces of Jesus' teaching. We call it the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel. It's an echo of the portion of Isaiah that Jesus read in the synagogue in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Great. That sounds brilliant, but how? How will that happen and when? We've jumped ahead in the story. The last time we saw Jesus, it was in chapter 5, and he was on the shore of the lake where he called his first disciples after the miracle of the large catch of fish. But that's not all that's happened. In chapter 4, after nearly being thrown off a cliff, Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. He heals the sick have all kinds of diseases, and he heals Simon's mother-in-law. He's taught people who followed him into the wilderness, saying, I must proclaim the good news, to the kingdom of God, to other cities also, and I was sent for that purpose. And after he called his first disciples, he heals a man with leprosy and another who's paralysed. He calls Levi, the tax collector, to follow him, and just like the others, he leaves behind everything and goes. And then there's some discussion about fasting and keeping the Sabbath. There are questions about the imposition of rules that seem to be a burden on the people rather than things that help. Then he heals a man with a damaged hand on the Sabbath, just to make a point. Finally, Jesus chooses the rest of his 12 disciples. He's been busy. He's been moving around doing exactly what he said he would do when he read that scroll from Isaiah. When he said today this scripture has come true, he wasn't kidding. He spent his time making it true for people across the region and now he's trying to explain it to the crowds and to his disciples how all of this works. How do we break the cycle? Jesus' plan is to turn the world upside down. Just like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, Jesus is about to pull back the curtain to expose the fraud, the big lie at the heart of everything. Fulfillment isn't found in wealth. Happiness isn't found in possessions. Consolation isn't found in units of production. Just after his baptism and before Jesus starts his ministry, he's tempted in the wilderness by Satan with three things. Self-reliance, power and to abdicate all responsibility and place the blame for everything, all the problems of the world on God. That's the big lie. That's the big lie that's woven through our world. Work hard, you'll be happier. Do whatever you want to. It's not up to you to look after anyone else. All the problems of the world are nothing to do with me. It's the big lie of a freedom that's sold to us at the expense of other people, and at our own expense too. The big lie that is trickle trickled down to economics, where you do all the work and someone else gets all the profit. The big lies is when the earth resources are privatised, owned and exploited, and we're sold back the water that falls on us every single day. Jesus exposes that lie with a simple list. But we need to know something really important. Blessings and woes, they're really unhelpful translations. The word we read as blessing means something more like acceptable, or role models even. Woes doesn't mean cursed, it means look out, be careful. Jesus' new kingdom is about attitude. With those who have nothing and the ones who see God at work in the world are random because when a stranger gives them food, they see God. But those who are empty, find space for God in their hearts. but those who expose the big lie are hated because we can't let that lie go. Why? Because to meet the needs of others is to step outside of that big lie. The big lie tells us we have to work hard. And if we do that, we'll be blessed with a fancy house and a nice car and enough money to make choices about what we eat and what we wear and where we go. And if we don't have those things, the implication is that we haven't been blessed. We've tied everything we have to this big lie. We're defined by how deeply we're committed to it. That's where the woe comes. Careful if you think... Everything's okay because you have money because your life's going well. Why? Because we've placed blame and stigma on those whose lives aren't going well. Like it's their fault. And our lives can change at a moment. And if they do, then all of a sudden we're the ones who are excluded and blamed and shunned. Does that make it our fault? If money is all that we have, then the reality is that we're poorer than those who have nothing. This is a call to turn our lives around, to change our role models. To stop trying to have more and to start striving to be more to those who need us most. That's how all this kingdom of God stuff works. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbour, it's a call for us to realise that we're not in competition with them. They aren't out to get all our toilet roll and pasta for themselves. At least they shouldn't be. But the big lie tells us that things are scarce and demand is high, so we should put prices up. And our response is fear, fear that we'll run out, fear that we'll be left out, fear that we'll lose out in the competition. And here's the thing, our commitment to the third big lie, blaming everything in God, is as complete as it is to the other two. We in the church can be just as guilty of blaming everything in God and and leaving everything to Jesus. It's all very well for him to talk about that stuff. He's God's son, he can heal people and perform miracles. He's the right words to say. What does he have to worry about? And so we step back. We believe the big lie. We believe that we can't do anything about it. We believe that we could never make that kind of change. How could we turn the world upside down? Perhaps the better question is, how can we go back to living the big lie now that we know, now that we can see it? Perhaps we should choose to look at what Jesus does and how he does it, one person at a time, calling fishermen and tax collectors, people like us, people who stepped outside of the world as it was and committed to living in a new kind of world, walking the way of Jesus. That's what we are called to do, to step outside what we know, to live differently, to change everything. And to walk the way of Jesus.
2: All of my plans, all of my pride, the work of my hands, the shame I can't hide, it falls before your throne. Hopes that I hold Fears I can't shake Lies I've been told Chains I can't break It falls before your throne I lay it down I lay it down. All of my meeting is in you. Eyes bright to blaze, thundering voice calling my name, Jesus, my joy. I four I'm handing over my life. You are worth everything. I'm handing over.
0: Wise and generous God, we take time today to do as the old hymn suggests and count our blessings, naming them silently one by one and giving thanks to you, the source of all that is good and of the deep down happiness for which we long. We give thanks for the obvious blessings, never to be taken for granted, for good health when we have it and access to medical care, for food in our bellies and a safe place to live. For people who care about us and for whom we can care. For freedom to dress and speak and worship as we choose without fear of persecution. But we are grateful also for the curious blessings recognised as such only with hindsight. For losses that help us to see what really matters. For vulnerability that enables us to reach out in love. For our weakness that forces us to depend on you the brushes with death, that help us to value life more. Loving God, you want all your children to live lives that are full and worthwhile. We pray for those for whom each day is a struggle to survive, never mind thrive. For those who are trapped in poverty and cannot see that ever-changing. Those who do not have enough to eat and those who overeat to bury their unhappiness those who are shamed and humiliated for being who they are and those who do the shaming. God of justice and mercy, there is so much that is wrong with our world, which is also your world. We long for the coming of the kingdom that Jesus talked about so much, and by whose standards he lived his life on earth, giving in order to receive, letting go in order to find, dying in order to live. Not lightly, but as honestly as we can, we pray for that kingdom to come, knowing that if our prayer were to be answered, it might cost us dearly. Hear us, Lord, as we pray in your words, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen go now and be happy happy that you're loved happy that you walk in god's way and the blessing of god creator source and spirit be with you today and every day
2: i yeah.